When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Tibbs is supposed to talk to the media here pretty soon, and then we'll get a little bit of an idea, but it would be nice if he's going to be able to be back in the lineup because we saw that, you know, eventually it's going to run its course. When guys are asked to play more minutes and, you know, you get run down a little bit, as we saw in that second half against the Charlotte Hornets back on Tuesday night here, so having Jalen back in the mix, one of your best players, that would be handy, especially against a good team like Sacramento, who is very, very good when it comes to putting the basketball in the hoop. They're the number one scoring team in all the NBA. Uh, Yankees did not have themselves a great day, Um, and and I think we need to get into that here because, you know, I had been saying all throughout this offseason that I was probably more optimistic and really felt the best about that Yankee pitching, specifically the starting rotation going into the season, than I have maybe in you know, like almost 15 years, probably since they last won that World Series. When they, got, when they brought in CC and they had a, or brought in A.J. Burnett and you know still had Pettit hanging around and they won that team in 2009, that was like the last you felt this good about the rotation on paper. With Carlos Rodon coming in and you know having him as like a 1A to Garrett Cole, Everybody else moves down a peg. You know, Severino can settle in as a nice number three. Nestor, if he's able to duplicate what he did last year in his breakthrough season, great as the number four. And then Montas, if he can ever get healthy, he's there as your number five. Well, now that plan has completely gone up in smoke. Pump the brakes. First with Montas, who we find out may not pitch at all this year. And really that can't come as much of a surprise because, remember, Montas was banged up last year with the Oakland A's and had to miss time because of the shoulder before the Yankees even got him. Then he comes here and he only pitches a few games and he's back on the shelf again and never to be heard from. And now he's not even ready even after an entire offseason. Why they waited so long to, you know, diagnose this and go through a procedure and all the for the life of me, I can't figure that one out. But anyway, you can't plan on Montas at all. So that's one strike gone. But at least you had Rodon. And you find out today... Then no, Carlos Rodon is dealing with a forearm strain. So we got some Anytime things going on. you hear the words forearm strain, that does not send a good signal. Okay? They could sit here and spin it till the cows come home about how it's mild and it's not that serious. And if it was a regular season game or a playoff game, I would I'd pitch through it. No, 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 no. Maybe to some people, fine. Really. Because there have been many of examples over the years where initially somebody is diagnosed with just a simple strain and everything is okay and all well and good, only to then be going under the knife a couple of months later. That's how these things always go. And not to mention, there was that little caveat about a Carlos Rodon. You weren't getting an Iron Man. You weren't getting a guy who doesn't have any sort of an injury track record. No, you got a guy who unfortunately really has not been able to live up to his lofty draft status because once upon a time, he was the number three overall pick in the nation. All right? There was a lot expected of this dude out of NC State. And in 19 and 20, 
before he got his career together again over the last couple of years, he only threw 40 innings. He had Tommy John surgery. So this is something that was always lurking with Carlos Rodon, unfortunately. So now he's not going to be throwing for seven to ten days. They're going to shut him down for a little bit. And remember, I know it's still just spring training, but the outing that he had over the weekend, it wasn't good. You know, Atlanta hit him around pretty hard over a couple of innings. And for Brian Cashman to sit there and say, well, you know, in a perfect world, you know, we, we think that we're going to have him back here pretty soon. I, I mean, okay, so the plan's gone. World. How many times are we even talking about a perfect world? When does the perfect world actually come true? So let's hear Brian Cashman talk about the Rodon injury specifically. Yeah, you don't. You ever want to downplay anything, but but the doctors do describe as mild. But because he's not a reliever, because he's a starter, because he's got to be shut down for seven to ten days to let it resolve and get him going again. You know, it costs you time, but. He's worth the wait. You know, all we want, obviously, is the real deal when he's capable of providing it and not forcing something because we know how good he is when he's right. Well, here's the problem, though. Yankees have had such bad luck when it comes to these pitchers over the last several years that you can't just sit there and give them the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, yeah, it's it's fine, it's normal, it's nothing, everything is going to be okay. Like, we've been down this road before. That's the problem. So when do you expect to see him back on the mound, Cash? I mean, a perfect world sometime in April. Are we talking mid-April, late-April? Let's get him through his seven days to ten days of no throw and then uh, get him going. My contribution to to the dialogue with him was, listen, just because glad our trainers jumped on it, I'm glad he said something. The finding was something but not significant or serious. So because of that, if none of that was taking place, we could have played this into mm-hmm. if it was don't say anything, don't try to push through whatever, this could have been much worse. You know, uh, because obviously trying to pitch through stuff is not a good thing, especially this time of year. If this was obviously in season, pennant race, late in the game, you know, he's still probably up and running going. He had this last May with the Giants. I didn't miss any time with it. Yeah, he didn't miss any time with the Giants last year, but then a couple of seasons ago, okay, when he was still in Chicago with the White Sox, he had a little bit of a shoulder issue. And that shut him down for a little bit out there. So, again, it just seems like it's one thing after another. You have to take into account the player specifically. And this is something that has been part of his career, unfortunately. You know, he was the X factor. He was the guy that completely, at least in my opinion, really altered the, the, the shape of this rotation. And you started to think that, okay, now all of a sudden the Yankees have a starting five that's championship caliber, right? Now you've got somebody that one through five with these two at the top. And to me, look, if Severino's right, if Severino's right, that's an all-star caliber pitcher. This is a guy that once upon a time before he had to go under the knife, you were talking about a guy getting Cy Young votes. So all they have to do is just stay on the darn bump once every five days, and they can make this thing work. So this is not what you want to have to encounter this early on in spring training. That's number one. Okay, so you thought that that was it. That was the only thing that maybe they would have to concern themselves with when you're talking about injuries today. But nope. Nope. Instead, you find out later in the afternoon that Harrison Bader is dealing with some oblique discomfort. Right? Okay. 
oblique, which has become like the new injury in baseball over the last like 10, 15 years, which you never really heard about like back in the day. Like, you know, Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, those guys never had to worry about oblique injuries because they weren't a thing. But now it's become like the new injury of the 2000s in baseball. What the hell's going on out here? Bader was supposed to play today, gets scratched. Oblique injuries, these could be a couple of months. Even if it's a strain, grade one, grade two, grade whatever, whatever grade you want to assign it. But you could be talking about Bader is maybe being out of the lineup for a little bit, and this is a guy that, remember, when the Yankees got him last year, it was a while before he could even get in the lineup because he was banged up still as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Right? Remember, he was hurt. Jordan Montgomery went over to St. Louis, and he was pitching lights out, and the Yankees are sitting there saying, well, what are you doing? But now Bader was a guy that, okay, he's coming back. He's healthy. A lot was going to be expected of him out of center field. You felt good about the situation. Now who the hell knows about this? Yankees say they're going to have some details coming up tomorrow after all the testing. All right, let's just assume that he has to miss some time. Then what do you do? You move an Aaron Judge to center field? You getting Aaron Hicks back in the lineup, having him play center field? I know you love Aaron Hicks. I know you want to see him out there as much as possible, right? You know, Esteban Florial, is this finally the time you're going to give him an opportunity and maybe, just maybe, he starts to bust out in a big way? I don't know. But all that talk earlier about, hey, get Stanton some reps in the outfield, you know, Judge will maybe even slide over so Stanton could play right and this, hey, you might need Stanton, period, if you're going to have Bader not be available for a little while. And it's just, my gosh, you know, Trevino, I mean, all these guys, Yankees got like a voodoo doll down there or something in Tampa. I mean, forget about the World Baseball Classic. Forget about these guys being out of the mix. I mean, they just can't stay healthy. It's a team with championship aspirations, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that the season is ruined, but you hope that both of these cases are mild in in, in the greatest sense, and it's not going to be anything too severe because even though you play 162 of these games, I mean – you want to get these guys out there. You want to get these guys playing. You want to, you know, flex your muscles a little bit and let the rest of the league know that, hey, you know what? We can win a title this year. And we have closed the gap between ourselves and the Houston Astros, which needed some closing. I think we can all agree on that one. And not to mention the Yankee division is pretty darn good. Toronto's no slouch. Tampa's still a darn good team. Not good. Not the way you want to start off camp. So we'll get some more information tomorrow. Maybe we get some better news as far as those injuries are concerned with the New York Yankees. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Chris is in Wontaw. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Sam, my man, I'm doing good, doing good. Listen, I just, you know, you're being a dead horse when you had all these people complain about how Aaron Rodgers hasn't accomplished anything in his freaking career. I mean, like, they want to say – uh, regular season MVPs. They're regular season MVPs. When's the last time the Jets made out the regular season? I can't remember, Dan. What was it, 12 years ago? 12, right? You mean in the playoffs? Yeah, 12 years ago. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I think if we had a couple MVPs over those years, we wouldn't be waiting so long, right? I, I would like to think, yeah. Right, and I also like to think, you know, if the Jets over the last um, 12 years would have went to like four or five AFC championships, that would be pretty, a pretty good, a pretty good thing, right? I, again, I think you're uh, making some sense, Chris. 
but it's crazy that when you get when you get to a certain level and you got to start getting compared to a guy named Tom Brady who had the greatest coach of all time and is an outlier with seven Super Bowls, now getting to five NFC championships is looked as a as something to be mad about. It's almost like he he, he you know he 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 didn't do he didn't do enough, but. How many how many people can say they've even been to five conference championships? Well, you know, by that logic, though, Chris, those are the same people that would tell you that Eli Manning is. They'd rather have Eli Manning as their quarterback over, over Aaron Rodgers. Over Aaron Rodgers because of two. I mean, heck, why 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 are we even looking at Aaron Rodgers? I remember Joe Flacco did it a couple of years ago for the Ravens, and he was the greatest quarterback of all time. We have him on the team, don't we? Uh, we do. Yeah, he's still around. Well, he might be a free agent now. We're gonna have to wonder if we're gonna bring him back or not. But right, he's and, there. <laughs> that, that doesn't work with sports radio so every now and then you might want to just instead of going back and forth with them just accept that in today's day with the internet you got to win right out the bat if, if, if otherwise you know patty mahomes would already be getting considered overrated if you didn't if you didn't get these two super bowls 100 percent, chris and the AFC championship but he can't get past it but he got lucky soon Josh right. Allen gets the bus Chris, be good, brother. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean that's that that's what it is, you know. You're if you don't win, you're a bum. You're no good. Dan Marino, the biggest bum that there was out there, because he only got to one Super Bowl. One of the most overrated players of all time. He only, only got to one Super Bowl in his second season, and he never made it back again. Bum, overrated, loser. That's what they'll have you believe. The same people that, you know, poo-pooing on Aaron Rodgers say the same thing about Marino. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. But, hey, it's the way the world works right now. Anyways, we come back. We'll do a little college hoops. We'll get some more info on the Bayheim stuff in about 15 minutes as well with Mike Waters in the Knicks, too, as we have them at pregame. 9.30 coming up there in Sacramento. Dan Gross's show till then, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I'll tell you, what a day of college hoops. Madison Square Garden. And look, there's nothing like the Big East tournament uh, at the world's most famous arena. And earlier today, unfortunately for St. John's, look, for about... 20 to 30 minutes today, you were starting to think that, wow, they're going to do it again. I mean, it's one thing winning yesterday. All right, now you get down to the quarterfinals, you get to Thursday, but now they have to take on the top seed in Marquette, and they built themselves up a 14-point lead. You're thinking, all right, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe this is the victory that Mike Anderson would need 
to really have kind of like that statement win here when he's battling, scratching, clawing just to maybe hang on to his job. They get forced into overtime, and then they lose an OT at the very end. And that's a gut punch right there. And, you know, you wonder what's going to happen with the head coach because St. John's is in a difficult position. It's been a long time since this team was able to capture – you know, the glory and the success that they had once upon a time in the 80s, even into the 90s. It's been a long time. The landscape has changed, as we know. You know, it's difficult to get kids to, you know, the, the, the best players to a place like St. John's when it comes to the recruiting. There's so many more options that are out there, you know, for these, uh, for these kids to go to other schools. And now with NIL, it's even more difficult. And, you know, there have been a lot of coaches that have come through here and tried and just they haven't been able to get to those heights again. So, I mean, what do you do? You know, if you want to change coaches, if you think that Mike Anderson has been the problem, well, then who is who are you getting in here that's going to be able to change the fortunes around this program? I know that there's some people that are holding out hope that maybe just maybe, you know, you entice like Rick Pitino to come to St. John's. So it sounds like Rick's already planning his exit strategy for Myona. You can tell that that thing is going to be uh, a thing of the past. You know, once upon a time, Rick was saying, you know, I'm never this is my last coaching job. I'm done with Hofstra. And then you could tell something happened over the last year or so where now that's getting a little bit played out for Rick. And, and he's already voicing his displeasure. And you could see that he's probably eyeing some other opportunities. I don't know if St. John's would be the place. But if you want to look at the last two years, you know, St. John's is three and 22 against quad one and quad two teams. And that's not like nothing to do with geography, quad one, quad two. Quad one is considered, you know, with the net rankings, the better teams in the country, quad two, next grouping or whatever. So those are the best teams you could possibly play, and they're 3-22 and 22 in those games. They finished eighth in the Big East this year. Big East is a good conference, not a great conference, right? I mean, you've got four to five teams this year, which I think are pretty good. Um, I think two or three of them could maybe go on deep runs in this tournament, like Sweet 16 and maybe even beyond. But – He's been here for four years. They haven't made the postseason, but he doesn't have any losing seasons either. You know, so you, you have to ask yourself the question, and the administration at St. John's is going to have to ask themselves the question, is it really just a matter of coaching right now, right? Is that the thing that's holding us back? Because, you know, changing coaches is great and all, but every time you do that, you kind of hit the reset button again. And then you're back to square one. And then you have to begin this whole process without any assurances or any sort of guarantees that it's going to turn around for the better. You know, they went out there this year and they brought in guys. You know, they hit the transfer portal like the Andre Corbellos of the world who they got from Illinois, who's a, a New York kid, and it didn't work out for him this year. Guy got benched for some games for disciplinary type stuff here and others. So there's a lot swirling around the program now. I, I just don't know if changing coaches is going to make the difference. I don't. So we'll see which way St. John's goes. But it's been a while before you could sit here and say that, you know, they were back being part of that upper echelon in the Big East Conference. Pat Ewing got fired tonight at Georgetown. And it's ironic, too, how, you know, Georgetown lost yesterday in the tournament to Villanova. So Villanova was the team that ended Patrick Ewing's coaching career at Georgetown. Villanova was also the team, of course, famously, that ended his playing career at Georgetown, beating them in the 85 championship game, which is one of the great upsets that, you know, we've ever seen in college basketball. It's unfortunate that it didn't work. It's always unfortunate when... A guy can't get it done at his alma mater where he's an, a legend, right? I mean, we were just talking about St. John's. I mean, look at when Chris Mullen was here. Chris Mullen couldn't get it done, but he's, you know, St. John's has not reached the heights that they were at when Chris Mullen was a player. 
with him and Louis Carr in a second back in the day, going to a Final Four, right? But with, G- with Georgetown and Ewing, I mean, the worst thing that happened to them in a weird way was making the NCAA tournament in a couple of years or a couple of years ago because that was a team that wasn't a tournament team. They didn't have the resume to do it. But they got hot for a few days in Madison Square Garden, won the Big East tournament, and they got that automatic bid. Then they went to the dance that year, and they got absolutely annihilated in their first-round game. I can't remember who it was against, but they got pummeled. And so that alone kind of bought him a little bit more of a grace period And what's happened in the two years since they made the dance. They're 2-37 and 37 in the Big East. I mean, that, that, that's almost unheard of. And when you talk about a guy who's a legend, I mean, not just a legend. You know, if you, if you weren't old enough to remember, like, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown when he was a college player, not just what he was in the NBA as a Nick, but him at Georgetown. I mean, Patrick Ewing was one of the great college players of all time. All time. I mean, those teams, him with John Thompson on the sidelines with the towel slung over his shoulder, I mean, th- that's like legendary type stuff. You know, and for it not to work out. And, and, and the other misconception also I think whenever you hire one of these legendary players, is that going to carry a lot of weight to young high school kids and to recruits that you're trying to attract to come play for your program to help turn around the fortunes? Because you're, I don't care how great of a coach you are, you're not going to win unless you have the talent and unless you have the kids. Plain and simple. That's the only way things are going to change around. So if you're a 17-year-old kid, and a guy like Patrick Ewing, a guy like Chris Mullen comes into your living room, sits down, talks to you, your family, and tries to sell you on, you know, come to St. John's, come to Georgetown, so on and so forth. Because back in my day when I was playing, you know, we were really good, and we went to the Final Four, and we won champion. I don't know if that carries a lot of weight because there are so many years removed. It might work in some places, but it's not going to work everywhere. You know, that's why I think if you want to look at it even more recently, a guy like you know, whatever happens with Deion Sanders, for example, out in Colorado, like when he's going to have to go try to, uh, you know, recruit kids, he's kind of been a visible personality. And I think more of the younger generation probably know who knows who he is, even though they maybe weren't old enough to see him play. You know, it's going to have to take things like that. But the landscape has changed so much in college athletics. And NIL now is a huge, huge part of that and a huge reason why. You know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, some of these legendary coaches are getting out of the game. You know, Coach K walked away last year with Duke and, you know, Bayheim. essentially his time ran out in Syracuse. And we'll get some more information coming up in just a couple of minutes on that one. But, you know, what can you say? It, it really is difficult these days. And, you know, I, I don't think it did any damage to Ewing's legacy. Like I said, he's a legend at Georgetown, a legend, and he will be forever. And the fact that it didn't work out as him as the head coach, you know what? Hadn't really worked out that much either for a lot of other guys along the way. So we'll see what happens. Fordham, by the way, up by eight right now. Quarterfinals of the A-10 tournament over there in Brooklyn. Late in the first half, they're playing LaSalle. It would be great if they could keep this thing going a little bit longer. Weirdly, they have the night off tomorrow over in the A-10 tournament. I don't know why. I don't know what the hell they have going on at Barclays, but then they're going to pick this thing up again on Saturday with the semis and then the championship on Sunday, but hopefully Fordham can keep this thing going. They're not going to get an at-large bid, despite the fact they have the Gaudy record. They haven't played anybody outside the conference, really, to boost up that uh, at-large resume. They're going to have to win the conference tournament 
few wins away from doing it. Hopefully it starts tonight against LaSalle and they can get that thing done. And, and most importantly, how about the job by the Scarlet Knights today? Right? Backs against the wall. Losers of six of their last eight. There you go. Fire it up. Can't score the basketball. Hope was, look, I got to be honest with you. I was not confident going into this game. Playing a Michigan team, which they've never been able to beat. They've beaten them one time in the history of the school. They, Michigan held them to 45 points at the rack earlier this year, for crying out loud. And I just didn't feel good about it. They fell behind 7-0 early in the game. I'm thinking, here you go, can't score. They somehow got it to three by halftime, and then in the second half it was like a completely different game. I don't know what Coach Peichel gave those guys at halftime, but hopefully he could give them more of it coming up tomorrow because Michigan went 14 minutes, I repeat, 14 minutes on the game clock without making a field goal in the second half of that game. Derek Simpson, the freshman, was inserted into the starting lineup. That gave him a little bit of boost. He could create off the dribble. He could get his own shot. There was more energy. There was more life. And, hey, I'm biased. I think that win today stops the bleeding a little bit, gets them into the tournament. I think they've done enough overall on that resume, despite the late-season slump here. So hopefully that's good enough. And, hey, take chances tomorrow against number one Purdue. Already beat Purdue earlier this year at their place at Mackey. See if we could do it again. That's gravy. We'll see what happens high noon out there at Chicago. So that's the college hoop stuff. We'll talk to Mike Waters when we return. He covers Syracuse for Syracuse.com. And the Jim Beheim era is over at Syracuse. What went down? How did it happen? What's next? We'll get those answers from Mike. Remember, we got Nick's pregame coming up at 930. Nick's and Kings out in Sacramento. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. College hoops, talking about that. March Madness in full swing, nothing like it. And Syracuse's season came to an end yesterday, as did the coaching career of the Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim. And to talk about the Orange a little bit more in detail, we're lucky enough to have with us Mike Waters. He covers the Orange for Syracuse.com, and he's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here on the program. Mike, it's Dan Grassi here, 98.7 ESPN in New York. Thanks for joining me tonight. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. It's been a uh, crazy 24 hours in Orange Land, but uh, we can get into that. I, I I would assume so, Mike. And again, thanks for hopping on for a couple of minutes here. All right, 47 years at the helm for Jim Beheim. Um, I know that he was never really a guy who liked the victory lap, the farewell tour, the whole thing. But the ending to me seemed kind of abrupt, maybe even a little awkward. Could it have been done a little bit differently? 
I agree with you. That was very awkward yesterday in Greensboro in the post-game press conference when Jim uh, steadfastly was refusing uh, to say that he was retiring. Uh, He wouldn't say if he wanted to return. He kept saying it's the university's decision. Um, Clearly, it seemed like the university and Jim Boeheim weren't in total agreement as to how this whole thing was was supposed to play out. Uh, still trying to figure out whether Jim Beheim at, at some level did want to come back for another year, or if he had sort of made up his mind that maybe this was the right time, but they just hadn't agreed on which exit ramp to take. Mm-hmm. He talked in the press conference about wanting to do as a post-coaching career something similar to what Mike Krzyzewski's doing at Duke as a consultant. Uh, Roy Williams still has a prominent role at North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I think he likes that idea. You know, he, listen, he, he's been coaching for a long time. I think one of the reasons he held on, aside from his love of the game and the, and the fact that he loves coaching, is he didn't know what to do with himself if he did retire. So I think he liked the idea of having some role still within the university and its athletic department. But, I mean, if they haven't agreed on that, then clearly they haven't buttoned up you know, this whole exit package, it was very confusing. You said awkward. I think it's almost like awkward on steroids. It's awkward yeah. and very uncomfortable. Unceremonious would be another word, too. Just it, it, And then the press release that came out later in the afternoon there, Mike, or whatever, nowhere is there any comments from Beheim in the press release. And that's why I, I just wonder, this, it seems like, was university-driven more so than it was anything on Beheim's end, No. It would appear so, given everything that we've observed and, and been told or not told by certain people. I mean, the athletic director, we think we're going to be able to talk to John Wildhack tomorrow morning. There is a press conference to introduce Adrian Autry, uh, the former Syracuse player who for the past uh, 11 years uh, has been on Jim Beheim's staff and for the last seven years has been the associate head coach. They're introducing him as the new head coach, but no word yet on whether Jim Beheim will be at that press conference as well. You know, John Wildhack was not available yesterday nor today uh, to comment on anything. And you picked up on the fact <laughs> that Jim Beheim did not have a quote in yeah. the press release uh, announcing an end to his career. The press release also did not use the word retire, uh, said that his career had come to an end. And, you know, with no quotes there from him, it, again, you're just like, how was everybody not prepared for this? in a way to make this the exit that he deserved and also the entrance that Adrian Autry deserves. Because, you know, there's going to be some questions tomorrow at this press conference. If John Wahlhack is there. They're going to have nothing to do with Adrian Autry. And it right. should have everything to do with Adrian Autry. By the time, by the time Duke inter- introduced John Shire and by the time North Carolina introduced Hubert Davis, we, they were past Roy and they were past Coach K. That's not going to be the case tomorrow. No, it's not going to be the case, and that's probably why it would be surprising, like you said, if Jim Beheim is there, because you want to make the moment about Adrian Autry. He deserves this chance, and you know he's not going to take that away from a loyal assistant of his. That you know, and looking forward, Mike, it's, and I don't know, it's maybe impossible to answer this question. Only time will tell. I guess that's the stock answer here. But you know, Jim Beheim was Syracuse basketball. He was an institution there for you know almost five decades, just as the head coach. Do you think the program? 
would have the same draw without him being there. You know, are, are kids and high recruits going to want to schlep up to central New York and spend their winters there and all that miserable, snowy, nasty weather if Jim Beheim and somebody else is coaching the team? Well, you're right. You cannot overstate the impact that Jim Beheim has had here in Syracuse. And he has been the face, the face of not just the basketball program, but you could argue the university, the community, uh, you know, you think of, you just see, you don't even have to see Syracuse University. You say Syracuse, New York, and you probably think of two things Jim Beheim and the Carrier Dome, now known as the JMA Wireless Dome. But it's the Carrier Dome right. uh, to, to, to most folks outside the area. You think of those are the two things you think of. Uh, you know, I don't know if you can name another town in the country where you think of a building and a guy, uh, a basketball coach. Uh, you know, so no, it, it can't be overstated. However, you know, let's be honest, the basketball program has declined a little bit over the last five, six, eight years. Uh, NCAA tournament runs have been intermittent in between years where they haven't gone to the tournament. Uh, they've missed the tournament now each of the last two years. In fact, they didn't just miss the NCAA tournament the last two years. They're not going to the NIT either. Mm-hmm. Not going to any postseason tournament at all has not happened here since 1969. That predates Jim Beheim, So we're at a new level here. Kind of an indicator that maybe it was time to make a change. And we don't know how it's going to go. But I think it was time to rip the Band-Aid off and just see how you do. You know, you, at mm. some point, Syracuse University basketball had to move into its future. Because yeah, you're going to get there at some point anyway. And I think it's better off doing it sooner than later. And Listen, what you got to do, got to win. Uh, Adrian Autry, I've known him for a long time. I covered Adrian Autry, let's be <laughs> honest. I don't, I've known him for a very long time. Um, I knew him since he was in high school in New York City at St. Nicholas of Tolentine in the Bronx. So I, I know he's uh, got a passion for coaching. I know he relates to kids. I know he has been able to walk the line in recruiting where everybody seems to like him. He can recruit a kid from one AAU program or one high school and not offend the coach at the rival high school or the rival program. Everybody likes Red Autry, and he's well-connected. Um, you know, I, you know you, if he can bring in players, you, you, and, I, and I think that's like the most important job, bring in players. And the first job will be retain the players you have here now. You, you hope you don't have to do a whole lot of roster management Mm-hmm. Over the, you know, in a month from now, if you lose a lot of guys. But listen, you know, I, I was told a long, long time ago by uh, a college basketball coach, it's the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's, right? So you got to get players. Now, can you convince guys, in your words, to schlep up to Syracuse, New York? <laughs> Why not? It's not that far, you know, from some of the fertile recruiting grounds of New Jersey and New York City, uh, four hours, easy drive. Uh, you get away from folks, and yet you're still close enough. And Jim Beheim did that for years and years and years. And, yeah, you don't have the Hall of Famer to recruit for anymore, so you're going to have to figure out another way to do it. But well, and, and, um, and the reason we'll see I where say, they go. And the reason I say that, though, Mike, and we're talking about Mike Waters covers the uh, cues for Syracuse.com. The reason I say that, it, it ties into the fact that, you know, even to this day, and it's been a number of years, i got to be honest with you, my first instinct still, Mike, is I think Syracuse, I think Big East. 
you know, that's what I grew up on. That's what we all grew up on. Syracuse in the Big East, it was part of the institution. I just can't still wrap my mind around them being an ACC school. So what's the identity of this program in the Atlantic Coast Conference? And that was also a big selling point. Remember, you know, trying to attract kids from, let's say, the New York Tri-State area to come up to Syracuse that, hey, you could always come back. You're going to have games at Madison Square Garden. You're going to play games in New York City. That's not the case anymore when you're in the ACC. I mean, Beheim himself kind of frowned down upon Greensboro as the site of the conference tournament, which, you know, I think he's got a point there. But how is the identity of this program in this conference, you think, going to impact the future? Yeah, Jim Beheim on Greensboro. Great point, poorly made. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to – Syracuse's brand was obviously in the Big East. They left that part of their brand behind when they chose to go to the ACC. Saving a football program, but hurting nearly every other sport within the conference, and especially basketball. So now you're having to go well outside your geographic area to play games. And you're trying to convince kids from New York and New Jersey to come up to Syracuse and the away games where the mom and dads used to be able to catch away games at Rutgers, Seton Hall, St. John's, UConn, Villanova, real easy, right? Tons of away games. In addition to your four-hour drive up Syracuse for home games, now the away games are, a lot of them are out of reach. I think you have to remake your brand. I think they got to get back to the old way that Syracuse play, used to play back in the day. When I first started covering this team, they got to get they got to play exciting basketball again. Even when Jim Beheim was winning here in recent years, or you know, back in even in 2013 when they went to the Final Four, or 2016 when they went to another Final Four wasn't always exciting they weren't running and they were playing the zone which slowed down the pace again listen the zone could be effective mm-hmm. but it also slowed down the game the other team would take their time you, you, you know i look back at some of the scoring averages when i first started covering the team and it, I, I can't even it's hard to remember you know how, how in the world did they average 82 85 points a game um so even when they were winning in 2016 2013 and stuff it's like I think maybe you need to rebrand yourself. You know, let, let's let's get some athletes and players up here that really want to go um, and just make yourself different. I don't know what Red Auction's going to do. I don't know if, you know, part of what he'll do will be dictated by the personnel at first. Uh, but you're right. It, the, the whole ACC thing, it's, it's a tough road. But I tell you what, um, you know, Notre Dame, has won an ACC tournament. You know, they've had success. It's fallen off in recent years. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of outside programs in the ACC now. Louisville's well outside Tobacco Road. Notre Dame's outside Pittsburgh. Listen, Pittsburgh, with one week left in the regular season this year, was in sole possession of first place. Now they lost two games, one they shouldn't have, and they slipped down to the five seed, and that, you know, that's not good for them. And they they got pummeled today, yeah. Yeah, and they never should have been the five seed. You know, right. uh, with a week to go, all they had to do was beat a, a really bad Notre Dame team. But with a week to go in the regular season, if Pittsburgh is in sole possession of first place, why can't Syracuse be there? They absolutely True. can. Well, that's what Adrian Autry is going to have on his hands here moving forward, and we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe it helps the fact that he's a Syracuse guy, you know, played under Bayheim, coached under Bayheim. Maybe that helps facilitate the transition a little bit. But, hey, as you said, and it's a lot it's a lot more difficult. I mean, you saw, you know, when Coach K steps aside, Roy Williams, you know, Jim Bayheim, even though if it wasn't mutual necessarily, but 
it's a different world now for the majority of their coaching tenures and veteran coaches like that, Mike, right? Especially in this NIL world where at the end of each season, you almost have to, it's like free agency. And you have to like convince, you have to almost re-recruit guys. Guys that you got a commitment from, you have to re-recruit them even for another year. And I think maybe some of those older coaches just maybe didn't want to live in this college basketball universe anymore. That's my best guess. I think a few of them definitely uh, weren't really loving this. They got into coaching in a different era, and they got into coaching for different reasons. Uh, you know, they got into coaching to coach. And, and now a large part of the job, and it's going to be, like you said, every year, roster management. You, you almost need a GM or a roster manager or something out there to, to kind of, you know, what are we, who are we going to lose? You know, who can stay, who can go, who's going to deploy, and who's in the portal? Do we need to, it's almost like free agency every year. Yep. To some extent, a little bit of an overstatement there, but still, you need to know who's in the portal, who might be interested to coming to your school if you were to lose your starting guard or your starting center. It's like, you know, because, you know, the young guys we have on the roster aren't ready to start next year. So if somebody leaves early or transfers, we're going to have to have replacements. And if you don't, then you'll sink to the bottom of your conference fast. If you have those replacements, you're Pittsburgh. That's or true. your Miami. Yeah. And it could go the other way for you in a hurry, too, unfortunately. It's both ends of the spectrum. Should be interesting nonetheless. We'll be yeah. watching. Louisville. Hey, Mike, thank cough, you. Cough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kenny Payne, for sure. Mike, thanks for a couple. We'll be watching here. Should be interesting over the next couple of days, see how things unfold there. But appreciate a couple of minutes tonight, though, regardless. Hey, enjoy talking to you anytime. See you. All right. There's Mike Waters, covers Syracuse for Syracuse.com. Uh, again, whether you felt that a change had to be made or not, you know, it's another legendary figure in college basketball that's no longer going to be a part of it, you know, and it's going to be a changing of the guard at a place like Syracuse. You know, these, I, I, for me, I, I still go back to those days, those hallowed days of the Big East with those battles every year at the Garden, you know, the Syracuse, the Georgetowns, the, you know, when St. John's was better, you know, UConn, when Jim Calhoun all those years. I mean, hell, even Pittsburgh part of the Big East when they were there. I mean, on and on. I mean, the Villanovas, I mean, it's legendary stuff. I mean, I was covering that game at the Big East tournament. I can't remember what year it was, but I, I covered that six-overtime game between Syracuse and UConn in the Big East Tournament. I was there. I, me and the, the cleaning people were like the last two to leave at Madison Square Garden that night. I'll never forget it. They asked me to, like, turn out the lights on my way out. Legendary stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, part of that basketball is not going to be the same again. 800-919-3776. That's a telephone number. We'll go out to Sacramento in about 10 minutes and check in with our pal Alan Hahn, talk a little Knicks with him. Nixon Kings kicking off the West Coast trip. Our coverage begins at 9.30. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yeah, Dan Grasso. Nixon Kings tonight. Start of the West Coast trip in Sacramento. Jalen Brunson going to go through the warm-ups, according to Tom Thibodeau. He'll go through warm-ups, and if he's good to go, then he'll be out there tonight. So that's a good sign. Remember, Brunson, the last couple of games, he was ruled out you know, about an hour or so before tip-off. So at least we're getting the opportunity to see him out there. Bing, the bong, floor. bing, bong, bong, bing. The other thing we, you know, just real quick on these, you know, with the coaching changes and whatnot in the college, the problem is, and that's why Syracuse, I guess, was so quick to act on this, and now Georgetown's going to have to do exactly the same thing with Ewing, is that because 
things are happening at like a frantic pace now in college sports with the turnover and the players jumping ship. You got to get somebody else in there or else the players are just going to enter the transfer portal. Like the transfer portal is like, hey, come on, come all. It's like an open door policy. So you got to get somebody else in there who has to, and I used the term when we had Mike on, like re-recruit the guys, which is hard to believe, but hey, that's why they get paid millions of dollars, I guess, to be coaches. Let's say hi to Robbie in Mass. He is up next on 98.7. Always good to hear from him. Rob, how are you? Hey, brother. Nice to talk to you. How you been, Dan? What's up, Rob? We're good. How's things? Well, well, good. It's all right. You know, doing a little radio up here and stuff. I had my, a couple of guys, you know, that I've been listening to for a long time. I had my old buddy Joe Beningo on one day. It was a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, so things have been going all right. And uh, just uh, hopefully getting the band going together. But, listen, I want to talk about the Knicks and the Rangers. You know, I, I love what Josh Hart said after the game the other night. Because, to me, you know, it, it wasn't about fatigue. You know, to me, it was about playing and being responsible against a bad team. What bothers me is, he, I, you know, people think it was fatigue. It wasn't fatigue to me. You know, what it was the fact they shot 40 shots from three-point land. Stop with the shooting so many threes. Dan, it's gotten out of hand. It really, it, I, I find it so nauseating to watch. It's very hard for me to watch NBA games now, being a guy who's almost 58, and watch a, an era of basketball when I was a kid that just blows this, this basketball away. Because there's no attention to defense. And, like, I'm glad the Knicks are winning, but it's really hard to watch, man. There's no facilitation to the post. Guys don't play with the back of the basket. I just – I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, that's the – Rob, you said up. it. That's the NBA. You know what I mean? That's but just, that's just what, the way of life like, in the NBA. But i got to talk about the Rangers for a second. I am so ticked at Chris Drury for constructing the team the way he's constructed this team. I mean, I don't know if you've caught any of this game tonight. The Rangers have no attention to play any kind of defense. I mean, Igor's been lousy of this tonight, and he's been inconsistent through the season, okay? But, I mean, their team defense is like, you know, they don't need Kane and Tarasenko. What they needed was some strength down the middle. This organization has sucked at center for so many years through the depth. And, and the thing is that, you know, I go back to 1993-94 season when the Rangers won the Cup, and you look at what the, the trades they made at the deadline when they got Stefan Mattel and Brian Noonan for a guy in Antonio Monte who was a finesse player, when they traded a Hall of Fame player in Mike Gardner who was a finesse player to look at Glenn Anderson, when they went out and got Craig McTavish. These are guys that play below the goal line, pay a price in front of them. I mean, the Rangers never get a rebound goal. In fact, statistically, you look at the Rangers, they're one of the worst teams that only get rebound goals and goals off the forecheck because they don't forecheck. They don't, there's no attention to defense. Do you expect Panarin and Kane all of a sudden to play defense and back check? I mean, the turnovers are atrocious. The backhanded passes out of the zone. It takes them forever to get out of the zone. I don't know why Chris Drury decided that he was going to put an entire team of finesse players together. Can you explain that to me? Are you, well, I, look, th- that's the risk you run when you get that high-priced talent. And, Rob, thanks for the phone call. I thought that there might be a little shoring up of the fourth line. I mean, Tyler Mott was a guy that they brought back here, knows the way they play, you know, was just here last year. But, look, you're going to have to have more of a well-rounded team, especially once you get into the playoffs where it's not going to be as wide-open type of a game. I agree with you. The bottom line, too, is with the Rangers, let's face it, the goaltender has not been as good as he was last year, not even close. And and if he could pick up his game going into the playoffs, that'll be a big boost for the chances. But he's got to be better. He, he really and truly has. Last year, he bailed them out far too often. I'm not saying he has to do that. But, you know, he's had a lot of goals he'd like to have back this year as well. Half hour still to play with. We come back. We'll go to Sacramento. We'll check in with our pal Alan Hahn. He's on Nick's duty, of course, on this trip. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.